Man, first of all, how in the world did you say all those words in that song? Anybody else? I'm like, holy smokes, that's a mouthful. Fantastic. How y'all doing? Good, man. Well, good morning. Uh, so glad you're here to join us at K2 The Church. My name is Dave Nelson, if you're new. Uh, pastor here and just grateful. We're in our last week of a series that we've been calling A Resolution That Lasts. And really, it's all about that type of song right there. Like, like when you hear that song and you realize there's a life that we want to be living. And if you're human, every single one of us spend our lives trying to figure out what is it that brings fulfillment for me, that helps me to know that I have purpose, to know that I'm actually living the life that God has created me to live. So, and when you realize that this is probably not it, when you realize even if your life's okay and you sense there's something more, that's when we make resolutions. And that's when we decide to say, you know what, a resolution, again, is a determination to stop doing something. And some of us, you sit here today and you go, you know, if you could stop doing something, your life would get more into gear of what God's called you to be. Or a resolution is a determination to start doing something. But here's what I want to challenge us all on today, is as human beings, every human is spending their lives trying to figure this out. But at K2 The Church for nine and a half years, and for this series in January, what we've really been saying is, the first thing you got to do is you just got to stop and you actually got to take a look at Jesus. <laughs> that Jesus is the one who actually, we're all trying to find out what this life is, and Jesus is the one who came, lived it. He lived the life that we were created to live. And now he's offering that to us. So before we jump in, let's just remember that. Let's stop and just take a look. Like for me personally, why do we believe that Jesus Christ, whoa, that light was bright. Um, why do we believe that Jesus Christ really is the one who can give us this? Three quick things. Number one, the first one is because he's our creator. The revelation of Christ, the Bible in Colossians says, for in him all things were created. So that means I'm his idea. And so are you. And so he's the one who thought of you. He knows why you're here. So he's seeking for that. But then it goes on to say, not only were we created in him, we were created through him, and we were created, anybody know? Yeah, good, for him. And so if we're sitting here trying to spend our lives figuring out what's this all about, the first thing I do is I go, I realize I find my life when I realize that I'm here for him. So he's our creator. Secondly, he's our savior. He's the one who said, listen, I created you for life, but you've been wandering way far away, and I know that there's no way that you can follow me unless I come and rescue you and give you a new heart. Unless I give you something, take away the sin, which is you doing your own thing, and replace it with my spirit, which can empower you. So I love the fact, why do I love Jesus? It's because I believe he created me, and then he rescued me. He saved me so that I could live the life that he created me to live. And then the last thing is when you receive him, he's your Lord. Don't you love that word? No, I didn't think so. How many of you have a Lord, right? Like, you know, you do. You're married. Then, sir. No, no, but that's just, a, that's just a term we don't use a lot. Maybe you have a land Lord. But you know what it means. When you receive Christ, a Lord is someone who gets to call the shots. That's what a Lord does. Let me give you another term we might like better. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. See, he's our Lord, he's our shepherd. And because he's our shepherd, he's the one who leads us. 
Now, this is really important. So if we're going to find our life, we got to believe that Jesus created us, that he saves us so that we can walk with him, and then he's our shepherd who guides us and leads us. And I love it. He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciple. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. free. We like that word, don't we? <laughs> we love the word free. Let's remember the first phrases. <laughs> if you hold to his teaching, you're truly his disciple. Then you know the truth, and it sets you free. So, Colossians 2.6, one of my favorite verses, small little verse says, if just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. So this is what we're going to talk about today. we got to learn how to walk in Christ. We're going to learn, our title today is Take a Step. Last week it was Take a Turn. Sometimes to respond to God is, he says, listen, you're going in the wrong direction, and I need you to take a turn and start following me. But some of you, many of you, us in this room, it's like, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, I am. But here's what's cool is he's your shepherd. He's going to keep asking you to take steps. And every time you take a step, you stay connected to God. You guys, there's, there's three images that in the last few months, I've just been praying a lot for my own self. One of them, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, okay? Which if you have two oxen, right, a yoke is what binds them together. And he's saying, listen, if you want rest for your soul, anybody need rest for your soul? He says, put, your, put my yoke on you. Stay connected to me. And then he uses this, this illustration of a vine and branches. I'm a vine. He says, you're a branch. If you stay connected to me, then you will bear much fruit. And then Jay, uh, Paul says in Galatians, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And so what we're going to talk about today is this, is that Jesus... Every time we get together, what we're saying is we want to be a church that responds to God. We want to be a church that when we hear him move in us, we go along with him. And what he's saying is if you do, you'll be under my yoke, you'll be connected to the vine, and you will be in step with my spirit. And all three of those things, you guys, lead to life. All right? Now, here's what's cool about a step, right? How many steps have you guys taken already this morning? <laughs> a ton, right? And, and none of you know unless you have one of those little pedometer things, right? Anybody got one of those? Chucking your... See, you've taken so many steps that you can't even count them, but they all led you to here. See, in my fa one of my favorite all-time books is uh, Seizing Your Divine Moment by Erwin McManus, pastor in California. And he talks about moments because steps, there's a ton of them. And even with Jesus, there's tons of steps he asks us to take. And Erwin talks about moments. Same thing. There's tons of moments in our life. Listen to this. He says, moments are as numerous as stars in the sky and the sands in the sea. And any of them could prove to be your most significant divine moment. Within those moments, a handful will become the defining moments in your life. However mundane a moment may appear, the miraculous may wait to be unwrapped within it. And all of us know this. There's just moments and there's moments and then every once in a while, a certain moment comes and you seize it and it completely changes your life. And the same thing is true, you guys, about faith. Every time you say yes to God, you take a step of faith. And every time you take a step of faith, 
you stay connected to Jesus and his power and his love and his life is yours. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about. How can you and I make sure that we actually keep in step with God so that his life is enmeshed with our life so that we live how he created us to live? All right? So let's pray together and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for this day and for your word to us. And I thank you that your word is alive and active. And I pray that you'll just give us grace here one more time to be able to hear it, to be able to receive it, and to be able to respond to it. So thank you, God. Thank you for drawing each person who's here. I know you love them, and I know that you want to engage with us today. And I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we've been in the book of James, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 1. James chapter 1. Pull it up on your phone if you want. It'll also be right up here on your screen. So here we go. James says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, this is a great illustration, right? So how many of you guys have ever looked in the mirror and went away and can't remember what you look like? All right. Any guys do that? Okay. So how many women does that happen to? Oh, <laughs> I heard one guy speak on this and he said, I think that's what he was trying to get across is so many guys will walk in, they'll glance at the mirror, they'll walk back out and they have no idea, right? And the women are like, you need to go back in and take another look, right? And yet most women, not all, but most women will take some time and they'll intently look at it. And so really what James is saying here is this, why did you look in the mirror in the first place? The only reason you look in a mirror is so you can know what you look like. So if you look and then completely forget what you look like, there was no use in even doing that. So he says, why listen to the word and have no intention of doing what it says? It's the same thing. The reason you listen to the word is because it does have power and it is effectual and it can change your life. So don't just be a hearer of the word and fool yourselves. Actually do it. Now, before I unpack some of this cool stuff, um, there's a guy, I had lunch with his wife uh, a while ago and just heard the beginnings of a very, very cool story. And he's a guy who for years sat in church and heard and then just recently has started to do. And it's been a great story. So would you guys get up for Tom Johnson as he comes up here to share his story? Give him a warm welcome, encourage this boy. Excellent, thanks dude. All right, number three, here we go. Here we Pray go. for this guy. He'll be able to make it through the day. Tom, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and just uh, go back and just kind of share with everybody the beginnings of your religious journey. It's not a journey like most people would see. I, I started out most of my teens, my 20s, and probably even early 30s, you know, really self-indulged uh, drugs and all about me and uh, really 
even though now I look back and I know God was always there with me, I was rarely ever with him. Uh, about my mid-30s, I finally realized I was missing something in my life, and it was God. And so I took the initial steps to see who he was. And I uh, found a church, um, and I started going to it, 60-minute, uh, uh, every, every Sunday. So I did what I said, went from zero to 60. I became a 60-minute Christian. Cool. Awesome. And so that was your first step. Yeah. All right? And maybe that's some of you today. Like today, you're sitting here and you're going, <laughs> like you probably were the first time, like, I can't believe I'm here, right? And maybe that's you today. And that's cool to take that first step. But I love this because I told Tommy needs to write a book called The 60-Minute Christian. This is, this is good. So, so tell us to say, so then what happened next? You're, you're going to church. You got 60 minutes. I'm there. I'm doing my 60 minutes for 15 years about. I'd go in and, you know, it goes past the 60-minute. <laughs> you're on my time now. It's, it's <laughs> wait a second. You know, I, I committed to the 60 you're, you're, you're over. Uh, you know, I'd, I would give to my church a little bit of money, not tithing, but I would give a little bit of money, and, but I just wasn't involved. And so uh, I did this for about 15 years. Cool. And so what shifted? What, what, what helped you to take the next step? Well, my wife primarily, but she was looking for some place. Gotta was, love the women. Yeah, better. She was trying to find someplace else, and she would go with um, after our church, go experiment through other, other churches and look around. And she started coming to K2. And she would come back and tell me how great this K2 church was. And I'm, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'm really comfortable in my 60 minutes. Don't mess with me on this. I'm good. And right about that same time, there was a gentleman sitting behind her in church who was starting a Life Together group in South Davis County, where we live. And this was also during the time when Seven was just initiating, a new series of Seven, which was trying to get people involved in the church. So my wife came up to me and gave me a challenge. She told me if I would come to the church and go to Life Together group for seven weeks, she wouldn't bug me anymore. I'm thinking, oh, I can do anything for seven weeks. I, <laughs> I, can, you know, I can get through this, no problem. I can get back to my nice, comfortable 60 minutes. Cool. And so as you started coming, what happened? Well, uh, you, for one. Uh, uh, you know, I, you imagine first, I didn't want to be there, and I wasn't really listening or hearing or anything. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm in the back there with my arms folded, and I'm going, wow, what? It's, you know, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And the more I listened and the more I engaged, I started becoming engaging in, the, in, the, in, the, in my small group, too. It was, as I told him earlier, it's, uh, it was almost like he was calling Andrea, the night, that's my wife, the night before church every night, he'd go, what does Tom need to hear? <laughs> and because every time he would get up there and he would start talking and I would be like, wow, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened, it, it took my reluctance into a desire. And that desire became something where I started you know, contributing, serving. I do parking. I do some serving with, with, uh, with security and, and some other things as well. Cool. And your Life Together group, too, has played a hu huge role. Absolutely. This group, it's just amazing that, you know, getting together with a group of people is so eclectic. I mean, if I was to go out and see these people out on individually on their own, we probably would never gotten together. But together, we are so strong and so cool. If I, if I have a problem, I know I've got these people to go to. Uh, so we've got you know, getting together with that group, it's, it's helped me grow and wanting me to, you know, not just the reluctance to desire, but it's taken me now to actions. 
actually taken to that point where I do that tithing thing now, and it's been amazing. Uh, you know, you think you're sacrificing all this stuff, but what we've gotten in return is, makes what we've given pale. It's, it's been phenomenal. Awesome. So, man, you, you took a first step mm-hmm. and said, I'll, I'll at least go to church. Sat there for 15 years listening. Took another step and, and actually engaged, hearing God's voice and responding and doing what he told you to do. So tell me, um, what's the difference in your own heart about who Jesus was when you were just sitting there and who Jesus is to you today? Wow. Um, Jesus is my friend now. I mean, before he was this person out there that was unreachable, uh, couldn't touch. But now I know he's there with me the whole time. He's always there with me. You know, I, I, I shared this with him before. It's the joys are easy to take anytime. But when you got Jesus there with you, the joys are so greater, so much greater. But the biggest difference is when you're going through the difficult times, and we've been through some and are going through, having him by your side, it's a lot easier. You're not, he's there le- reaching, helping you through, and he's, he's brought me along. And, you know, I said this earlier too, it's like the Grinch. I had my little heart, and it's grown multiple <laughs> times now. And, and I'm just, I can't wait until what next happens. I mean, this what next was pretty big for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited. Well, I, I want to tell you guys, I, I asked Tom to share a story because um, there is such a huge difference. Talk about this all the time between being somebody who just kind of does the church thing and somebody who responds to what they hear. And, and here's what you don't know. So I was walking out of the red box after the first service co- coming over here, and I hear this, Dave! And I turn around, and it's his wife, Andrea. And she, just, and she says, and she yells to me, and she goes, you have no idea. She goes, this man is completely different. Now, so yeah, that's awesome. Because all of us are married, say so we can say all we want about our own lives, right? But when your spouse says, and I was going to have her run in here, but she's serving over with the kids, and I just, um, to have your spouse say, this man is experiencing something completely different. I see it every day. You guys, that's what happens when you hear the word and respond to it. So give it up for Tom. Thanks for sharing, buddy. All right, so let's put James back up here. Chapter one, verse 22. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Let's do what it says. Because I I know, I know this. There's a myriad of reasons why you're here today, right? But my guess is, unless somebody absolutely dragged you, which we have seen um, heel marks in the parking lot before, so that could be the case. But, But if you're here, my guess is because you're wondering, can God actually be who he says he is? And can my life really engage with him? So he says, well, yes. But don't just listen to the word, because if you do and don't do what it says, then you deceive yourselves. Now, that's a pretty big thing, okay? So let me ask you real quick. How many of you hear God, like you've read his word or you've been here at a Sunday and you've heard him speak to you and then you don't do what he says? Anybody? Okay, all of you who are human, raise your hands. Because this is our struggle to do what he says, all right? So, as I was sitting there this week, let's dig into this. How do we, dece- how do we deceive ourselves? Because apparently, somehow, we think that if I just hear, I'm okay. 
So let me give you three things about how we can deceive ourselves. Number one, we can think we're doing good and we're not. We can actually think we're doing good and we're not. Tom's nodding his head because in another service he said that. He goes, for 15 years I went to church and I just sat there and just listened and I never did anything he wanted. He goes, and I thought, you said, I thought, man, I'm a good Christian, (laughs) right? But is it good to sit and just hear and not to do anything about it? James 4.17 says this. He goes on to explain this. He goes, if anyone knows the good that they ought to do and they don't do it, it is sin. To know the good that you ought to do, so to hear his word, and for God to say very clearly, here's what I'm asking you to do, and then you don't do it, that's actually sin. So listen, as your pastor again, this is kind of, how many of you were here last week? Okay, because the whole idea of turning towards God. Now we gotta, we gotta come again, and this is my job to help you to understand that you could be thinking that everything's good, and yet somehow we've deceived ourselves. Please understand this. If you hear what he tells you to do, and you don't do it, if you know the good you ought to do, then it's actually sin, and we deceive ourselves. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't get duped. In this book, Erwin McManus says this, He goes, we have defined holiness through what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give our lives to. And I've seen that in the church. It's like, well, I don't smoke, or I don't do this, or I don't, you know, that's how we go. That's a holy person. He goes on to say, I am convinced the great tragedy is not the sins that we commit, but the life that we fail to live. And here's the deal. Jesus is your creator. He's your savior and he is your shepherd. And as you follow, he said, Jesus said, come, follow me, all right? So when you don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're actually doing good, and we say this at K2 all the time, it's, it's, it's such a tendency in America to think, if I do my 60 minutes, I'm good. And the Bible says, no, now you've, you just heard it. Make sure you go out and actually do it, or you deceive yourself. Here's a second way we deceive ourselves. We think we have faith, and we don't. We think we have faith and we don't. And, and this is true because lots of times you'll hear people say, well, I totally believe in God, okay? So here's what James says in chapter two. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but they have no deeds? Can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead, so again, what James is trying to help us, and this is so important for all of you, you, you need to have this inner dialogue with yourself so to make sure you're not deceiving yourself and you need to have some engagement here going on with God. Is it because you can deceive yourself into thinking that you believe. But if your belief doesn't actually turn into action, then James is going, then actually your faith is dead. That type of faith doesn't save anybody. He goes on to say this. Um, someone will say, I have faith, and you have deeds. And he says, well, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So, really important here today, if you and I are gonna experience what it is to know God, to know Christ, to have his presence and his power and his peace and his joy and his life in us, then we gotta make sure that we don't just come and listen to stuff and then have no intention 
of actually doing what he says. The, I, I wanna tell you, man, after 26 years of ministry, one of the most frustrating things to me is when I see people go, think that they really believe, but then they don't actually walk with faith, so then it doesn't work. And then they'll come back and look at Christianity and go, that whole Christianity thing is just, it doesn't work. And what James is trying to help you say, no, 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 you, you actually didn't do it. If you're gonna respond to God, make sure you hear and do it. Otherwise, you deceive yourselves and you might think you believe and you actually don't. Here's the third way that we can deceive ourselves. We think there's blessing and it's just the opposite. We think there's blessing and there's just the opposite. So sometimes we can come here and we go, okay, I'm gonna do the church thing. And I'm going to do my duty, kind of my religious duty, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to listen. But what Jesus says is, okay, that's great. Seriously. Like some of you, again, you're in this room, and you're like Tom. And maybe, and maybe even today is your first Tam here, and you can't believe that you're here. Can I just say, you, by showing up, what did you do? You did something. <laughs> so way to go. I'm, this is more issue to those of you guys who've been here for nine years, Okay. This is where James is talking to those, not who've taken a first step even to show to church, but he's talking to those of us who sit here week after week thinking that we're gonna get a blessing because we've come to church. And what Jesus says is this, listen, in Matthew 7, he goes, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What's Jesus trying to say? You guys, be really careful, because if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, you're going to think, I built a house. I believed. And he's going to go, but if you don't put them into practice, then when the storms come, you actually don't believe, and it all falls down and crashes, and you totally think it was a crock. Can you guys see the danger in this? There's many people who've gone down this path and it's very dangerous. But Jesus says, but the wise man, the one who is not deceiving himself, is the person who hears my words, puts them into practice. He builds his house. And when the same storms come and the winds blow and the water rises up, it holds. So don't deceive yourself. Christian, Christian, don't deceive yourself. If you hear stuff here on Sundays and you walk out with no intention of listening, it actually is dangerous for your soul. Take it, listen to it, and make it happen. All right? Now, can I just ask you, again, like, like why don't we do this? Because as human beings, we all struggle, right? We all come to church, hear a message, and we go, mm, nah, not gonna do that one. Can we all just agree, right? Why do we do that? Well, I, I, there's a few reasons. Sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes because it's really scary to think about what he's asking us to do. Sometimes we just doubt. And I want to bring you back down. I think the biggest reason when you hear God's word and inside your heart you decide to say no to him is because you forget who he is. You forget that he loves you with his life. The only reason you exist is because he wanted to make you. And then he came to save you. He gave up his life for you. And he wants to walk with you and shepherd you so that you could have life. And then he comes with his teaching we don't like and we go, ugh. No, we just do. I don't, what are we doing? We're doubting he's our creator and our savior and our shepherd. That's what we doubt. So, but look at this. If you can throw this back up here. 
The last verse, verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. You guys know what the perfect law is? It's the law of love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you look at that law intently that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what you have heard, but doing it, you will be blessed in what you do. So let's just remember this, okay? I love James. He's like, you guys, there's blessing. Anybody want blessing? Okay, absolutely we do. We all do. Well, then don't deceive yourself. Do what he says. Now, can I just share you in closing? How are we blessed? How are we blessed? If you will walk out of here Sunday after Sunday and actually do what he says, there's three things that will happen for you. Number one is this. You'll experience freedom. You'll experience freedom. Right? Jesus says that. Hold my teachings, and you'll know my truth, and the truth will set you, and you all go, free. <laughs> well, there you go. So if you sit here and you go, how come I'm not free? I want to tell you, I think for me, and what the Bible says, it's because you haven't done what he says. There's lots of things you might know, but you got to do them. And I think that, what, what, what do we get to be free from? Free from ourselves? Free from sin? Free from all the lures of this world that when we go after them, next thing you know, they let us down. People let us down. The things we pursued let us down. Our hearts are heavy. We're burdened. We're full of anxiety, full of fear. And Jesus goes, I want to set you free from that. Isn't that good news? So just remember, how do I get that? Do what he says. And you will be blessed because you'll be free. But here's the cool thing. Number two is others receive a blessing. The cool thing about God is every time he asks you to do something, yes, it will be good for you, but if it's the law, the perfect law of love, that means you're going to go out here, and what are you going to do? You're going to love everybody else. If you will say yes to God and respond to him and take the next step, not only will you be free, but everybody around you, your husband, your wife, your kids, your coworkers, everybody you know will be blessed. And you guys, how is that a blessing? Well, come on, right? I mean, when we go to bed at night and you know that you had something to do in somebody else being blessed, that's what you were created for. And it brings life. So you're free, other people are blessed. And number three, God is praised and his will is done. See, you guys, here's Jesus. And he says, listen, I'm always working. I'm always working. And I'm good and I'm right. And I'm your shepherd, and I'm asking you to trust me. Please take the next step of faith. If you do, you will stay connected to me. And that means my stuff gets done. You know what the Bible tells us? God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. And you were created in him, through him, and you were created for him. And what's so cool, you guys, is Jesus said this, so let your good works shine before men. Because then when people see your good works, they will actually glorify your Father in heaven. And so God gets praised. It's a win-win-win. Every time you take a step of faith and hear his word and respond, you're free, other people are blessed, and God's will is done, and people get connected to him. Anybody want that life? That is yours. And James just simply says, then don't deceive yourself into thinking that just by hearing his word, You've done it. It's a total lie. You must hear everything he says, and you must put it into practice.
And if you do, you will be blessed. That's God's word to you. Very clearly today, huh? Very clear.